your voice be heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I don't know about you, but I'm not 22. I'm 29 and I'm pissed off about it. So Taylor Swift, (laughs) shut up. You have like three more weeks in your 20s and then you'll be old. Stanley. What are you people Oh my God, are we having a birthday? Oh my God, Stanley is having a big birthday coming up. Oh God, I hate you guys. A big February 21st. Oh, I know your birthday. Getting a dirty 30? 30-30. That means I'm dead pretty much because we all know life stops at during the oh, 30s. Oh, God. Shut up. I yes, think it's yes, just yes. beginning. Yeah. No, beginning to suck. Yes. <laughs> That's the <laughs> <this laughs> problem. All right, guys. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And you just heard Taylor Swift. And I like to call that white optimism at its highest peak. <laughs> Because what is better than being blonde-haired, blue-eyed, long-haired, beautiful... 22. 22 and millions of dollars in your bank account. Nothing. (laughs) Literally nothing. Yes. But we are not here to talk about that because even though it would be kind of awesome to be Taylor Swift for a day or even for 15 seconds, we are not Taylor Swift. Actually, I'm a big black man with a scruffy beard who had two Eastern European guys tell me that I misheard what I thought I heard and I should pay them $100 more. And even that is not relevant to the conversation that we were having today. Wait. It's just one of those things that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Explain, Stanley. Right, so when I was moving, it was $70 an hour, and it took them an hour to move my things oh, from yeah. my old apartment to my new apartment. And the guy goes, you have to pay for three hours. And I go, but it's only been an hour. He goes, no, it hasn't. It's been three hours. And I go, you got here at 12, and oh. it's 1 o'clock. He goes, I don't think you understand how to do my math. Let me show you. And I was like, oh, no, never mind. Here you go. Here's yeah, your money. Yeah. Show <laughs> you what? Here's your money, Nikolai. <laughs> not... Was that a Russian accent? That was my poor tip at an Eastern European accent. Oh, I didn't know what that was. He tried. All right. He but, yeah, but, I, but it's cool because, you know, I, I moved. I didn't move too far. I'm still in Harlem. I'm still captured around all that history of Harlem, including one of uh, my inspirations, Malcolm X who um, lived in Harlem, he always talked about how he loved the energy. And we know how the country feels or felt about Malcolm X. It tends to change from time to time, but they mostly feared and did not like him because he came across as that guy who was always ready to scare the white man. And not just with words, but with guns. He would have his rifle, and he'd be looking out the window, prepared to shoot a white man for being white. And why would you do that? So when he talked, people got scared. They became angry. They pushed back. But society today is very intelligent, and we know that there was one magical Negro who was safe, and he always protected us. And because he was all about nonviolence, when another white person shot him in the face to kill him, we knew that that was because that white person was just one white person, and not because of all the white people. <coughs> Lies. <clears throat> Anyways, no. So... That safe super Negro that all of white America seems to love or loves at this moment, especially when we yell Black Lives Matter, is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has built up this reputation as this one black man who led the entire civil rights movement and passed all the laws and did all these peaceful protests where he didn't antagonize officers and he didn't make elected officials feel uncomfortable and he did things the American way and he was nonviolent and he was non-disrespectful. And whenever... Somebody says Black Lives Matter today, or whenever someone says we're fighting for racial justice, he is referred because he is the one go-to black person that they know is the safest and surest bet. And you know what? In a lot of ways, they're right. 
Martin Luther King is one of the most recognizable names and forces in the civil rights movement, and rightfully so, because he is one of the most influential, he was one of the most active, and he was one of the most passionate and amazing orators of that time period. And his work and through SNCC and through Alabama and Georgia and all the states that he's done and he's fought and advocated in has really have really grown and like the progress that was made was really pushed through him and other people's work. So we totally understand that. And I'm talking about Martin Luther King this way right now because his birthday just happened to be yesterday. And on Monday is Martin Luther King Day. And everyone is going to be reflecting on the things that he did and the person that he was and how people should conduct themselves in the future. And they'll say that Dr. King was all amazing and he had the right way to go about things. But Dr. King, while in prison one day, said it's not enough to give people of color, black people, the right to vote. What does it mean if you have shoes but you never learn how to walk? He was frustrated about the educational prospects for people of color. He was frustrated about the job prospects. He was frustrated about the way they were treated by police and by their own townspeople. And he was, an, he was a lot angrier than a lot of people put on for him. And in 2016, with a black president in office, I really had to ask the question, has his dream lived on? Did his dream even happen? Was it achieved? Not the, my little girls can hang out with your little, your little girls, but the economic justice, that, that educational justice, that political justice, that environmental justice. Did those dreams actually come to life? And that's the conversation we're going to have today. And we're going to have it in collaboration with, you know, the President's State of the Union and his legacy. And then, like, where would King be if he were here today at this moment? So I guess I want to start off, like, very easily, I'm hoping. And just for you guys to tell me, like, what do you think about King's legacy? Like, what what kind of impact do you think he had in your life and, like, with the movement? Selena? Uh, well, first, I just want to say that the phone lines are now open. And if you guys want to comment, talk Talking about the MLK legacy, the King dream, and how it's either being carried on today or deferred, you can call us up at 212-650-6903. Um, so I, I think that it's pretty evident how Martin Luther King's dream, legacy, and the principles that he fought and died for have impacted my life as a woman of color. I mean, before Martin Luther King, we didn't have the Civil Rights Acts. We didn't act. We didn't have the Voting Rights Act. We didn't have this movement of progression in our country where it said, you know, it should be illegal to discriminate against people of color just based on their skin. And besides the legislation that he got passed, which happened to be one of the biggest, the, the legislation that he got passed actually was probably the biggest and most profound um, legislation to even affect people after the 1960s. But I think just besides that, I think him just standing up and being that voice and expressing the frustration, the frustration, the disappointment, and the disenfranchisement that people of color have been feeling, um, it was it was almost freeing to a certain degree because it was like our voices were minimalized. We didn't have a voice. No one was paying attention. It was just like sitting on the back of the bus. But then we had him and a number of other other civil rights leaders like Rosa Parks, John Lewis, etc., who said, no, enough is enough, and we're fighting. And I feel like that same spirit has even resonated in the Black Lives Matter movement, and that movement is sort of, you know, the new wave of civil rights in America. No, absolutely. I would totally agree with everything that Selena just said. I mean, me, for me personally, as somebody who is not a person of color, um, Martin Luther King has still had a huge impact on my life um, in that, you know, the drive that I feel every day to go out and do the kinds of civil rights litigations that I do in my day-to-day work um, is directly influenced by the type of work that Martin Luther King did. In addition, just on a larger picture note, I feel that uh, the work that 
Dr. Martin Luther King did during the 1960s nor during the 1950s is what led or paved the way for Barack Obama to become president in 2008. Because I think if it's not for Martin Luther King, then it takes a lot longer for um, that, you know, but that at the same time, I think it's hard. It's easy to look at that situation and look at the president being elected and then, you know, forget that just because we've come far doesn't necessarily mean we've accomplished all the things that I think Martin Luther King encompassed within his dream. So I think we have to, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, but at the same time, be very, you know, happy that we've achieved what we have, but also realize that there's still a lot more work to be done. A lot more work to be done. So we do have a caller on the line. Ms. Deborah, let your voice be heard, please. Hi, guys. I know it's Martin Luther King's birthday, but I have to take I, I can't let you talk about Malcolm X like that, okay? Don't tell me about him standing there with a gun. Don't do not do that. Because, you know, I know the picture is very famous, uh, but you don't, But you don't. if you're going to talk about him, talk about how his house was bombed. And if you're going to do research, do your research and do it on... Ho- Martin Luther King did not hate Malcolm X. Okay, so this, you know, can't you have more than one friend? You know what I mean? Do black people have to have this more? They have to have Martin Luther King? I love Dr. King. A lot of things I have is because of Dr. King. But I'm not throwing Malcolm under the bus. And anybody that does, they have some problems. Thank you for that, Ms. Deborah. I, I want to be clear. We're not throwing Malcolm under the bus. So I was being a bit satirical when I said that Malcolm, Mal- Malcolm had the gun at the window and that he and Martin Luther King were enemies. Actually, they were very closely politically aligned, despite what many people think. Um... And no, like, I, I think you needed both of them, actually, because as closely politically aligned as they were, unfortunately, the racist institute that is America could not tell the difference. And they were very, very, very afraid of Malcolm X. And because of that, they were more comfortable working with Dr. King and other advocates. Both those men knew that. And that's why Malcolm X can do something like go to Selma in 1965, a few months before he passes away, and do a speech that scares Lyndon B. Johnson and others into working, talking to King to get the Voting Rights Act passed. So I want to be very clear about that, Malcolm is a huge inspiration to me and to all of us here. We're not trying to demonize him. And also the picture of him with the rifle in his hand looking out the window is one from a magazine cover. It was an interview. It didn't actually happen in real life. Right. Um, So to talk about uh, Dr. King's impact on my life, I think also, you know, to reiterate some of Alyssa's sentiment as a non-person of color, um, I think he still, you know, I, I heard learned about him in school, right, learned about um, the things that he fought for and learned that he died fighting for them. And that was so incredible to me that this was someone clearly so on the right side of things who was then shot down for his beliefs and how, you know, how could that happen, right? Like how could um, someone who had such a noble fight um, be shot down like that? So um, I think as a community organizer, he certainly, I mean, he – you know, think about when you think about the most <laughs> influential community organizers, like he is, he is it. Right. Um, because he organized a community. He gave people hope that they could, um, you know, fight to end racist, um, racist laws and to end oppression in this country. Um, but at the same time, he, you know, he, I think, was the pinnacle of showing people, let the other guy look bad, right? Like, I'm going to do the right thing. And that was really where his nonviolence came into play was, I'm going to do the right things. And let, let's just show 
the world how bad the other guy looks because I'm not going to engage on that level of... Oh, so do you want to add on? Yeah, no, and I, I think that the impact also is just, it's it, it's very broad in the sense on even the youth today and the, the history and the things we're teaching in school. I saw this Facebook post that one of my friends put up that really stood out to me the other day, and I actually want to read it on air, and she was talking about her, I think her daughter is four or five years old, um, maybe, maybe six. I could be, I'm not 100% sure on the age, but, you know, in that younger age group, and she said apparently her daughter came home from school and said if there wasn't Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I wouldn't have my black friends, you know, Samara and Sydney, you know, and um, my teacher couldn't work at the center. And I'm so happy that there was a man named Martin Luther King um, because it's so mean that blacks and whites weren't able to be in the same school. I mean, that's literally a child <clears throat> being able to right. recognize that right. if it wasn't for this person, uh, she would not be able to have the friends she has. She would not be able to have the teacher she has. And even on a very fundamental level, realizes that it was wrong to not have people together in the same school based on the color of their skin because I think that's another bigger thing is that like racism bigotry is learned behavior children aren't born with that inbred and so you know the impact of his work goes further even today to the children today that are going up in recognizing how their lives would have been different had it not have been for Dr. Martin Luther King absolutely so let's talk about the things that King has had an impact on and let's talk about what level of, of a influence you think he actually had in, in these pieces of pieces of legislation let's so let's talk about the voting rights act and the civil rights act how like we know that these are two bills that he was very much so involved in how much of an impact do you think he actually had in like getting the bill through selena um from my understanding and you can correct me if i'm wrong but he was extremely impactful because when he was leading the civil rights movement, it was very strategic behind the scenes. So, like, yes, there were protesters on the front lines um, engaging in acts of civil disobedience, but behind the but behind those lines, he was working directly with legislators, um, and he was also working directly with Lyndon B. Johnson at that time and pushing him and saying, you know what. We are. We demand something. We have a list of demands that need to be met as American citizens, and one of them is we should have the right to vote without fear or intimidation, um, and and our rights should be heard, and we should also have the fee, um, the right to live a proper a proper. Oh, excuse me. We should have a right to live a successful life without going. You know, without having to use a different bathroom or a different water fountain or you know or sit on the back of the bus. And I think that by him showing Lyndon B. Johnson, like, hey, if you don't want to pass this legislation, we're going to put some pressure on you, and we're going to get the press, and we're going to and it's going to look bad, and it's going to make white people look bad, and legislators look bad, and it's going to make you look bad as the leader of the United States. Yeah, no, um, and I think the thing, so last year, uh, Stanley and I, we had the opportunity to go see Brian Cranston on Broadway playing LBJ in um, yeah. in the show All the Way, and it shows a lot of these backroom scenes where MLK actually went and met with LBJ personally, and LBJ kept telling him, like, you know, Martin, you gotta wait, you gotta wait, you know, like, things are happening slowly, like, I don't have so much political capital, and Martin kept pushing him, be like, listen, we're not gonna wait, we're not gonna wait for these things to happen, like, if you don't deal with this situation, situation now we're gonna keep 
pushing the situation and pushing the envelope. And I think that those meetings that Martin had with LBJ at that time really helped to push LBJ. And LBJ went and pushed to Congress. And actually, I know we're going to get more into comparing Obama's presidency and Obama's legacy later on in this segment. But if you look today, a lot of criticism of the president has been that he's not able to go to Congress and push Congress to get things done, um, sort of the way that LBJ did. And LBJ definitely suffered a loss of a lot of political capital. Because, uh, um, I mean, he said when they passed the Civil Rights Act that he would lose the South for, like, the next hundred years, and he did. I mean, a lot of people forget that LBJ was, like, one of the last presidents that was a Southern Democrat. Yeah. Um, And he really wasn't—I mean, he was liberal, but if, you know, like, if you listen to some of the tape recordings, he— Sort of was kind of racist, he was also. Super um, racist. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. So, I was trying to you yeah. know, <laughs> not be too hyperbolic. But, yeah. So, um, I think that, you know, it, if it wasn't for Martin, you know, LBJ wouldn't have done that. And, and LBJ was right. He did lose the South, and still today, till today. Right. Um, but those things don't happen without Martin being up in his face. Right. I mean, I think to ask what MLK is influence was over these laws um he was directly lobbying the president right like he was in in those meetings in those conversations um but i think that it's important to remember that it wasn't just his fight alone that there were many other like malcolm x like the students involved in SNCC and other organizations that went down to the south and also sacrificed some of their own lives just registering um, people to vote. Um, there were many, many people that played a very, very important role in passing these pieces of legislation and building that movement. He was, you know, someone that we respect and honor, and rightfully so. But there were so many people. You know, it wasn't him alone. There were so many other influential folks that um, that played a huge role. You're absolutely right, Jackie. So, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be shifting gears just a little bit, talking about his influence um, in relation to President Obama's legacy as president. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. We talk street art, sarcasm, crass humor in high fashion, peach color moon glisses the black thickens, as we laugh off of shotguns and tongue kisses. Loser. But anyways, guys, the conversation is not about Jackie and how much of a loser she is. It is about Dr. King and his legacy. And we were talking about his impact on things like the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act, which he was very involved in. But like Jackie mentioned, he was not the only person there. A. Philip Randolph was very involved in that process. You're also talking about Whitney M. Young of the Urban League who was very involved with that process. But these same people who he worked with to get these bills passed, in the later years of his life, he had falling outs with a lot of them. And also that same media that talked so darlingly of him now, a lot of them turned their back and condemned him right. because of his policies 
from the mid to late 60s. He was anti-war in Vietnam. He wanted to start the poor people's movement. He felt that every American should be guaranteed a job. He was upset with the, the anti-communist rhetoric in the U.S., and he criticized LBJ in public on multiple occasions. A lot of the people who think that Malcolm X and Martin Luther King had different ideologies are very wrong. And an example of that is just the way that King talked about the American policy and said America is 100% responsible for most of the violence in the world. Do you think that King and President Obama would agree politically today if he were still alive, Selena? I think that... Dr. King was way more, fell way more to the left than President Obama. And I think that President Obama has definitely admitted to being more moderate when it comes to um, progressive, right, um, when it comes to progressive politics. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know, we'll get to that, but I feel like he would be, uh, Dr. King would be more aligned with someone like Bernie Sanders rather than Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. who we've seen are, you know, are very center and, um, you know, try to compromise. I think that... When Dr. King was alive, it was, it's our way or the highway. It's this or nothing. We're going to put this pressure on you, and we need these laws to be passed. Whereas President Obama, as we've seen with his, during his tenure, has been willing to compromise, has reached across the aisle, and has done a lot of things to upset progressives, like, you know, the TPP, the trade bill, um, and some other things. So I think that, I, I'm, I think he would support him, but not to a full degree. Yeah. I think so. I think that he would um, definitely be more to the left of Obama um, on a lot of issues. I mean, um, certainly exactly what you said, like that that sense of compromise, whereas Obama is someone who, you know, ran, especially in 2008, ran on that platform, like, we need the two parties to work together, like, I'm running on a platform of compromise. But then sort of his first, like, big, one of his first public um, uh, press conferences, he sort of was teasing and making fun of the right which probably didn't do him well like as someone on the left it was like great you know to hear that um that wasn't really doing himself any favors granted the right has put up a tremendous amount of blockades to block any progress on his part um but i think overall i think that exactly yeah i there's nothing really else to add i think that he would support obama but maybe want him to go a lot further but also i mean obama's the president and dr king was an activist and an organizer so um you know he's not in the same position to you know he's not the one in in power i guess in the hot seat to be making the decision so i think the one that is in that seat tends to be a little bit more moderate Right. No, I would agree with all that. I mean, here's my take on it. I think the two issues that progressives and liberals have the biggest problem with the president on right now or the things that they found the most disappointing out of his eight years in office have been two main issues. One, the income inequality. The president can tout the fact that jobs, you know, the unemployment rate is below 5%, that there's been a lot of private sector jobs created. He can tout the fact that, you know, for the most part, Wall Street has been doing very well and the U.S. economy has rebounded, but we're still seeing record income inequality where the top 1% is holding 99% of the wealth, essentially, and the bottom 99% is holding only 1% of the wealth. And I think that Martin Luther King would um, think that probably align with other progressives and liberals in thinking that the president hasn't done enough or hasn't been able to push Congress to do enough uh, to deal with the issue of income inequality. Another issue, uh, similarly, that I feel progressives have the biggest issue with Obama on with respect to foreign policy is the use of drone strikes. Now, I don't want to get into a debate over, uh, you know, drone strikes versus regular aerial campaigns because, you know, some people have made the argument that drone strikes actually have less collateral damage and less innocent people die in them. 
them. But without getting into the larger debate about that, uh, a big criticism coming from the left would be the fact that innocent sometimes children are being killed in these U.S. drone strikes that are going after people without any due process in this idea of a quote-unquote kill list. And I think that would be another major Mm -hmm. gripe that Martin Luther King would have with the president. So while I would agree with Jackie that I think Martin Luther King would support the president in his endeavors, I think Martin Luther King would probably fall with other liberals and progressives that are farther to the left in criticizing the president for the drone strikes and for not doing enough on incoming inequality. Great answers, guys. So we do have two callers on the line one of them i'm just realizing is one of my bffs i don't know how i didn't notice it before but gary let your voice be heard uh good morning guys how are you we're good how are you just in the interest of full disclosure um i'm not going to mention who but i am the dad of somebody sitting at that table (laughs) me i'm I'm stanley's dad yes how are you son i'm great papa How, how are you? This I'm, I'm big fans, big fans of Alyssa and Selena too. I have not met you guys. I hope we correct that soon. Oh yes, definitely. Hey, we need to definitely. do brunch. Send my you know, my love. You had you had something to uh, uh, to say? Uh, my Good dad morning. Is yeah, I, a number of years ago, I'm just kind of following with your conversation. I, I read a three um, volume biography called America in the King Years by a guy named Taylor Branch, and it just I'm a little bit of a history buff, and it was very interesting. Um, and it was very interesting the way Dr. King, in an intelligent, nonviolent way, took his message into mainstream America. I think he would be over the moon proud of um, President Obama. What do you think? You know, I think he'd also be over the moon proud of him as well. However, I do think that he would push back on some of his policies. And I'm going to say this. I'm stealing this quote from a good friend of mine, Mark Polite. He says that it's a different thing to be shouting at power from the outside and walking through the quarters of power. And President Obama is walking through the quarters of power, so he has to traffic differently. But, Gary, thank you so much for calling (laughs) in. I mean, Daddy, thank you so much for calling in. Um, All right, son. It was nice nice speaking to you again, and I look forward to meeting you guys as well. That's right. That's right. Thank you. And now we have William on the line. William, let your voice be heard. Yeah, I think I'm going to be a little more gentle on you also because your pops <laughs> just called. Boy, you're really dodging some, man, you're really dodging me. But you know what? I think um, with, with honoring Dr. King, salute to his efforts, you know, I also I also feel as though um, what, we, we're kind of being kind of light on the president only because of the simple fact that it's a precedent of having the first black president and just things of this nature. And, we, you know, we, we're not dummies. We realize that he... he uh, he can't do but so much. He's, you know, he's a figurehead, you know, just any other case. But I really feel as though he can at, at least make stronger statements towards some some stuff. With the wisdom of the pen, he, he signed for the uh, gay marriage bill, you know. And this is this is actually uh, a wisdom of a pen. But at least when it comes to other issues, you know, where he feels though he's he's under the gun or Somebody else is writing his script. At least he can make a stronger statement for those that come behind him. They can at least have something just to lean on as far as issues concerned, because he seems to be only pigeonholed to a few issues, to just a few issues. Meanwhile, there's a whole vast load of issues that's out there. So late in the game, he's speaking on some things about the environment. Late in the game, you know, is it too little, too late now? You know. So uh, that's that's my little thing with him. 
thank you so much for that for that comment and for that question towards the end, William. And, I, and I, I'll say a couple of things um, in relation to that. Once again, that conversation about shouting at the steps of power and walking through the corridors of power are totally different. And I think that we have to be mindful of that. However, you are right. The president c- could have and probably should have, in my opinion, been more forceful on a couple of issues. But we can have a debate all day, every day. And it's not necessarily going to be resolved in one conversation. But let's let's focus on King and the power and the influence that he had. And if you were alive today, first of all, do you think he still had that power? And the question I've been looking forward to asking is, if he still had that power, who was he putting his vote behind in this presidential election? Um, I would say if Dr. King was alive, he would definitely be supporting, in my opinion, Bernie Sanders. And here's the... Here's the reason why I think that his policies more directly align. Bernie Sanders has been a strong advocate against campaign finance, against Wall Street, against the billionaire class, and against um, wealth, wealth inequality in our country. These are the principles that Dr. King was fighting for when he died. In fact, he was organizing the Poor People's Campaign, which was a stark and very stringent anti-poverty campaign to abolish it completely and directly and i think that even though he would be probably supporting bernie sanders he would definitely have a foot on his neck like we should you you can do more <laughs> right uh, oh yeah that? i mean i i completely agree i think that bernie sanders is someone who very publicly discusses the um direct link between um income inequality and racial inequality um and is able to bring these issues and t- tie them all together um you know and talk about sort of inclusivity I cannot speak right now sorry I guess um, inclusivity <laughs> um, but is someone that is way more far to the left and is looking at um, broadening equality as a whole whereas other candidates are sort of um, you know they take each issue issue by issue without thinking of the larger picture of how this affects all Americans and how do we you know sort of uh close the gap and make sure that there's equality for all. I would agree with both of you and with that. I think if uh, Martin Luther King was still alive today, he would probably also support Bernie Sanders for president uh, for two reasons. I think he would find Hillary Clinton's connections with Wall Street to be somewhat disconcerting, especially with the income inequality issue, and as I spoke about earlier, um, and I think he would find her hawkishness on uh, issues uh, about war and about uh, the use of force to be disconcerting. However, with that said, um, I think he would support Bernie in the primary. I think that if if Bernie was to lose the primary to Hillary and Hillary was to be the candidate, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just putting it out there. I think that um, in, in a situation where Hillary was to be the candidate, I think that uh, Martin Luther King would definitely get behind her because he. I think he would look at who's running for the Republicans yeah. and he would be like, uh, well, you know what? Hillary is still in a much better position to represent my interests than any of these clowns on the other side of the aisle. That's just my take on it. Um, but, you know, uh, that's uh, that said, um, I think that Stanley wanted to say Yeah, something. so um, we do have a call on the line, but before we get that, I want to say that I think he'd support Hillary. Mm. And here's why. Hillary has had more political capital, power, and influence for a longer period of time than Bernie Sanders, which means mm. that they would have been trafficking within each other's, like, Circles. Like, circles. Like, for quite frequently for a couple of years, he would have owed her a couple of favors. That's one. And then also, Hillary, some people may not like her, but she gets things done. And I think that he would have taken a practical approach and said, you know what? Who's going to get the most done and who am I going to have the most access to? And that's why I think he go to Hillary. You know, that's an interesting point because I definitely think that, 
you know, he and LBJ did not see eye to eye right. uh, yeah. completely. And so, you know, I didn't consider that because um, I just was looking at like his policy p- positions. Mm-hmm. But I think that that you actually make a good point. Like yeah. he even though he knew LBJ was, as you put it, a super racist, um, <laughs> um, but he was still willing to try and work with him despite the fact that they had fundamental disagreements on things because he knew that he could push him to get things done. So you're you may have a good point there. And I like, think that's uh, that's worth uh, I thank you for putting that out like there. President Obama does. So, guys, we do have another caller. I'm very happy we have so many callers. Gary, let your voice be heard. Yes, this is Greg. Oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. Sorry. Yeah. yeah we, we speaking about the then and the, the now. Yes. And I, I really feel as though he would have uh, Dr. King would have had more of a progressive outlook on the benefits of the country right now. I don't think he would have supported either of those kind of candidates right now because within a 40 year span of time i'm pretty sure he would have been influenced or supportive or leading for other candidates to be in the race there's ron daniels i don't know if you're familiar with him uh there's there's dr cloyd anderson there's uh what we still have we still have uh, angela davis we we still have a whole broad of scope of, of some individuals from and i think he would have been more uh implement of uh these other other uh, uh, uh areas and, and the, the the green party i think he would might have been supportive of of uh, ralph nader you know um so we you know we, we we're keeping our limitations of thinking to these people that they propping up and i'm really like i said i don't think he would have been supportive of 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 of, of, of clinton miss clinton because she's too pro-Israel right now, and I think he would have been more progressive in seeing that that would—that's the default. That—that is the problem. That is what's sending America to hell. Thank you so much for those comments, right. Greg. I really appreciate that. Um, that's a really good point. I think, you know, you might have to have the best answer for all of us, Lena. You know, I really appreciate that um, answer, Greg, and thank you for calling in and saying that. And you know what? I agree to a certain extent, especially now that you made those points, because if we look at what Dr. King was fighting for, it was to. Ab- to directly abolish poverty. And I think that even though all the candidates decry income inequality, they haven't offered solutions to to outright eliminate poverty. And um, I was reading this article, and it said that think tanks calculate the cost of eliminating poverty at $275 billion. Now, that could actually get done if we were to impose a 2% wealth tax on the top 1% of Americans. In my opinion, that's a small price to pay to eliminate poverty. The candidates aren't saying that. Right. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, I, getting back to the caller's point, I think that's such an interesting perspective that, and it's funny that we don't assume that you could just not endorse a candidate, right? right. Like, in this day and age, it's like, that's what you do. Like, Elizabeth Warren is coming out probably supporting Hillary. Did she do it already? I don't not know. Yet. Like, everybody's taking a side and be- putting, you know, their money and their voice behind a person. Um, and that, I think, is such um, an interesting perspective and probably the most, truthful right is that he wouldn't put his support behind a person he would put it behind the issue and he would work hard no matter who is in office i mean certainly um lbj wasn't you know this like super left wing i mean he was a southern democrat he wasn't you know he was on part following up on some of jfk's initiatives um but he easily could not have done that right um and let that just slide right and not have put forth those bills so or laws um so i think that it's interesting I, I would like to think, and, you know, we can all speculate about his beliefs on whatever issue you want to talk about, but I would like to think that Dr. King would not endorse a candidate, but work hard um, and 
work with whatever person took over that office to um, enact some real change, as he did. I think that's a good point, and I think the caller made a good point. Um, I, I think you're right that he would put his support behind issues versus behind people. However, I want to push back on that just a little sure. bit because I think that Stanley's point also is salient in that he would support somebody he thinks could get it done yeah. and follows his vision. And so, you know, on one hand, I think that Greg makes a good point that maybe he wouldn't support anyone and, you know, add in what Jackie says, he would just push an issue. On the other hand, I think if he thought that he could push his agenda most if some, you know, if a Democrat was in the White House, then he would support the Democrat he most thought could get into the White House and get things done. So I think there's two sides to that coin, and it may not be either or. or it's kind of a convolutions of both. Right. Stanley? Yeah. So thanks, guys, for those comments. We do have to wrap up this conversation, unfortunately. And I want to leave you guys with a couple of thoughts, some things that are cooking in my brain as of the moment. So we named this segment, um, let me get my sheet of paper over here, um, Dr. King has a dream lived on. And the question was, has Martin Luther King's dream actually lived on? And I was really sitting in, in upstairs in the cafeteria before the show started trying to think to myself, well, did his dream live on? Was the dream achieved? And then I was reading a book that I, of his that I purchased a couple of years ago, but I just happened to go back to it from time to time. Um, it's his notes from Birmingham Jail. And he says, for it is obvious that if a man is entered at the starting line in a race 300 years after another man, the first would have to perform something impossible in order to lose. I don't think his dream has happened yet. And that's not to say that we haven't made progress. We have made significant progress. But one of the things that Dr. King always said, and he was always pushing for, and he was so frustrated about it, was that it's not just about being able to go and sit at the same counter as a white person or being able to go to the same schools because there have been so, there's been such a precedence of underserving and undercaring and underfunding black communities and communities of color, whether it was for education, for jobs, for, for just like entrepreneurship opportunities, that there's going to be there's going to be needed a full investment in like re-energizing and setting up that community to be in a space where they are able to compete. And if you look at it right now, the numbers are drastic when it comes to graduation rates for communities of color as compared to whites. The numbers for incarceration for African-Americans compared to whites, even even for the same crimes, are significantly different. We still have issues. There was a study that came out that said doctors are even less compassionate to black patients when they have cancer. There is still There are still so many huge issues. I don't think the dream has arrived yet. I don't think that King will be disappointed, though. I think that this kind of challenge, these kind of obstacles will be just the kind of thing that kept him going. Because King, more than anything else, was a man who understood that he had a place and he had a voice and he, he had to use it. And he wasn't always comfortable being seen as a face of the civil rights movement because he knew he wasn't the only one doing things. But he took it as a responsibility, and he pushed and he fought to make change. And I think if he were here today, that's exactly what he would be doing, and he'd be asking us to do those things. So now, if we agree that his dream has not been realized yet, I know I feel that way, what can we do to help to push that dream to make it a reality? What can we do today? Who can we talk to? What kind of changes can we make? Those are the questions we should be asking ourselves and finding answers to from today and tomorrow and moving forward. Because you know what? We have power to create a dream into a reality as well. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be right back. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. 
justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. The camera 